Welcome to the Human-Centered Leadership Podcast, where we explore the question, how do you leave people better than you found them? My name is Dr. Pete Longhurst, and I'm joined by my co-host, Marcy McKay. In this episode, we get to hear from Dr. Lorena Eastman, currently a partner at HR consulting firm HR Catalyst, and a former SVP of Leadership Development and Talent Management for Bank of America. Drawing from her experience in helping organizations of all sizes to thrive, Lorena shares some practical insights with us, including how a leader can create a sense of purpose for their organization, how a leader can intentionally build mechanisms to connect with their team on a human level. And she also discusses some indicators of when it might be the right time for a person to make the leap to a new job. Lorena, we're so excited to have you here joining the Human Centered Leadership Podcast and would love to just get started by having you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background and and what you do today, and then we'll get started with some some questions. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I am an organizational psychologist. I have been practicing for over 25 years, and I had a mix of corporate you know, working at large global organizations, both in hospitality and finance. And then the last 10 years, I've been working at a small consulting firm called HR Catalyst with my friend and colleague from graduate school. And um, I like to tell people that my goal is to help leaders and teams thrive at work. If you're familiar with Adam Grant, he I love his line. He says that he studies how to make work not suck, which I think is really funny. But I like to put a, a more positive spin on it and say that I'd like to help leaders and teams thrive at work because we all spend so much time at work. So it needs to be more than a paycheck. It needs to be meaningful and fulfilling. Well, that's a that's certainly a great goal um, because I, I think you're right. You know, we spend most of our time at work. And, and so anything we can do to make it uh, something that is a positive and an exciting thing um, is, is great. Um, I am curious, before we get into what that looks like, um, I am curious, when you left corporate America to go into uh, a consulting firm, what prompted that and what differences have you found or what, what's been exciting about being in a small consulting firm versus corporate America. Um, just kind of curious your experience. Yeah. It, first of all, it is very, very different. Um, probably even more different than I anticipated. And I, I like to tell the story. I think it's a fun story. So I guess it was 2011. I said to my husband um, on New Year's Eve that I would have a new job in 2012. And he said, I'll believe it when I see it. There's no way you're leaving. I was at Bank of America at the time. I loved what I was doing. I was working with really smart people. It was interesting work, but I'd been at it for 12 years and I just had this nagging, what else is out there kind of question. And I was ready for a change. So I really thought I would do another corporate job. So I was kind of looking at what was out there. Never considered consulting. I had in my mind that consulting involves a lot of selling, which was not appealing to me. Um, and it, it's, um, as it happened, my now business partner called me and said, my business is booming. So she had started the firm business is booming. And I would love for you to come on board and work with me. And I thought, wow, 
Uh, that was, I, it was not even on my radar. And I initially said, no, I said, I just, it was too much of a risk. I had three young kids at the time. I did not want to pack up and move my family. It was going to involve a move. And then I thought about it a little more. And I thought, well, what if I don't move? What if I stay where I am in Charlotte? Um, would I be more comfortable with the risk then? And I still thought, well, it's kind of a big risk, but the worst thing that could happen is that I'm going to fail. I mean, I tell people that story a lot because I think allowing myself to say the worst thing that can happen is that you can fail really, um, it gave me permission to say, you know what, go for it. And I really thought there was a good chance that I wouldn't like it or I wouldn't be good at it. And that was kind of scary, but we're 10 years into it. And um, I think I found my niche. I really, I love it. So that is how I left corporate. It's different in so, so many ways to answer the other part of your question. I think my corporate experience was really helpful and that I understand how things get done in large organizations. I understand things like politics and how to influence, change management, some of those very important things. Um, what's different and what I really like is the variety. I work with small nonprofits. I work with Fortune 100s and I work across industries. So truly no project or engagement is the same. And that part I really like. I love that you said you had to give yourself permission to fail. Yeah. And that does not come easily to type A type of people. So, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a hard thing to, to do. So uh, I applaud that. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, that you and I have spoken about is this idea of employee engagement. Um, yeah. And when you talk about, Help, helping people thrive at work. I think that that is the ultimate definition of employee engagement. Talk about how those things play together and, and what have you seen in your, your uh, studies and, and experiences? Well, um, we know how important it is, right? Um, we've talked for a long time about you need engaged employees to have satisfied customers and satisfied customers lead to better performance, right? So I think most people appreciate that. I think it's more important than ever because of what's happened due to COVID and working remotely and virtually. You've probably seen some of the studies around how burnout's escalating, engagement's on the decline. Um, Gallup just put out a study, 2022 study on global trends and engagement. And I think it was around 60% of people are feeling disengaged right now. So it's really important, but it's really a problem, and it's on the decline. So, um, yeah, I'm, you know, especially, you know, Lorena, we hear this, uh, you know, the great resignation, you know, over the past year has just been um, at many organizations, people are just leaving. And um, so I'm, I'm curious, when you come in to a, a company and you want to help the the employees to thrive at work. What does that look like on a, on a practical basis? So if I'm like a small business owner and I bring you, you, yeah. your, your company in, your consultancy in, what, what do you do and, and how does that help, help people to thrive? Yeah. So I think what I do really depends on what mm -hmm. the company has asked me to do. Right. And certainly the industry and the size of the company, but I don't think what engagement looks like differs across companies or industry. I think it's pretty constant, whether you're a company with 20 people versus a large organization. 
<laughs> I think it's things like um, sense of purpose, feeling connected to the mission. Is my work important? Am I am I am I part of something important? Um, empowerment. People want to feel that they can make an impact and that they can make decisions. Development. There's a lot of research that that's one of the biggest drivers of engagement. Am I learning? Do I have opportunities to grow my career? That doesn't necessarily mean a promotion. It could be lateral movement or it could be learning new skills, but people want development. Recognition. And that's not just about a paycheck, but it can be a simple thank you for a job well done. But the recognition is a really big piece of it. A supportive and compassionate manager, I think is probably more important than ever. Simple things like, are you okay? How are you doing? People knowing that their manager genuinely cares is a huge part of engagement. I think something new that's probably more important than it was in the past, um, and I think, Marcy, you mentioned this, is, is workload, right? Um, burnout is on the rise, and people are really feeling overextended. So I think that's another part of employee engagement, giving people that challenging work, but also ensuring it's a manageable workload. Yeah, and I, I love all of those um, elements that you mentioned, Lorena. They're they're you know spot on from my experience. Um, I wonder if you could share a couple of examples of um, you know you you come in and you see that this organization is maybe lacking in a few of those areas. Like, let's take for example, sense of purpose. So, what do I do if I'm a if I'm leading an organization and, and I feel like my people don't have a sense of purpose, what are some things that I can do to, to bring that purpose to my, to my people? Yeah. So I guess kind of a, a, a more recent one comes to mind without, you know, sharing names. It's a, it's a smaller organization, growing organization in the nonprofit space. And the CEO has a very kind of compelling vision and idea of where he wants the organization to go. Um, and he wanted to kind of figure out how to rally troops around that and how to make them a part of it. And what we ended up doing was developing something we called our true north. Mm-hmm. And it encompasses the firm's values. And then from those values, what are the competencies or expectations of employees in the organization? And I worked with a a subset of employees within the organization below the senior leadership so that they were part of the process. And they were part of how we developed our true north. And they were also part of how do we embed this in the organization. So that's an immediate example of where the CEO was really clear about where he wanted to go, had a really compelling vision, and needed to think about how to bring others along in the process. Um, I love love the idea of creating that story and bringing people along. And, you know, I, I certainly know Pete and, and I love nonprofits and, and man, you can get behind a purpose really easily. One of the struggles that I have seen are in for-profit companies where often the, the goal is to meet shareholder needs or whatever it is. How, how do you translate a compelling purpose in these for-profit companies that are critical, you know, I mean, they're critical for our, our, our nation, our, our, the world, we've got to have these for-profit companies, yeah. but how do you get behind a purpose that maybe doesn't have that compelling human story? 
I've actually seen some leaders um, who are really good at that. Maybe it takes a little more work, but I'm thinking about um, a leader I've worked with in, in the construction industry. Hmm. And the stories he told his employees about how they were changing lives, that they were building bridges, they were building hospitals, they were building schools and helping to educate um, kids in the country. I mean, he, he made a really compelling connection between what they were doing and how it was enhancing people's lives. So I, I think it can be done. Hmm. That's, that's really a fascinating way to look at that. Um, mm-hmm. Finding, finding the, the compelling story and no matter what, what industry you're in for how you can really impact people's lives are pretty critical. I think it's a human element as we're, as we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I could uh, with time come up with some other examples, but it's, um, it's a human side of what you're doing. Yeah. You know, um, you mentioned, um, Lorena, one of your other um, elements of a highly engaged culture was, um, was that managers are human, speaking of human, you know, are more human with their employees, especially since the pandemic. We, we kind of, we used to shy away from those questions, like, how are you doing <laughs> for some reason? And now it's like critical, like, so scary, yeah, right? I don't want to know. <laughs> Leave that at home, right? But now it's like, no, we, yeah. we realize we need to just say like, hey, how are you? Like, are you okay? Um, what what have you seen that's that's been effective to kind of make that transition from, hey, that strict personal slash work blind boundary to like, hey, we're bringing our whole selves and, and it's okay to, to be vulnerable and like, um, have you seen anything that's that's worked that somebody might apply, like, uh, to their to their personal practice or to their organization? Hmm. So, I, you know, the word you said, vulnerable, I think, is an important part of it. It requires being vulnerable yourself and being human with people too. And I think when you, as a leader or as a as a manager, are, are vulnerable with your team, it makes it safer for them to say, hey, I'm not okay, or to share um, stories with you. I also think, I don't know if you've seen this, it's been really interesting with this transition to working virtually and remotely. It's enabled us to connect personally in new ways. Hey, your kid um, running behind you. remember the days of, <laughs> right, you laugh. And you remember it used to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, my cat or my dog or my yeah. kids. And now it's a, it's a human element and, you know, senior leaders show up with baseball caps and T-shirts on, on Friday afternoons. And so it's been fun to see people share kind of the human side. And I'm seeing less of kind of I need to compartmentalize my personal and my work life. And you know what? Sometimes they blend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed that, too. The whole just kind of bringing your own, even your background has some kind of stories and, and things to it. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I was going to say, I've seen people um, just build simple things into their meeting agendas. How was your weekend? Or something that's personal that encourages people to um, to connect on, on a personal level. Um, or they might have a virtual happy hour. Or I've seen teams share what they call leadership journeys, where they tell their personal story, like what influenced them as a child and what were significant events in their Mm. life and who were people who influenced them. And you learn so many interesting things about people in the process. So I think the other thing is 
you know, some of it's happened as a result of working remotely and, and virtually. Um, but part of it's also being intentional about it. I have one other. Um, I just did a quick icebreaker last or a couple of weeks ago where similar to what you were talking about, the the idea was, hey, grab something within your reach in the next 30 seconds that represents something about who you are and just and we just go around the webcams and just share. And so people are just grabbing pictures of their family or, you know, whatever's just within reach. And you like you said, you you really learn a lot about somebody just by, you know, what you have on your desk. It's so fun. I had a similar one at a um, leadership meeting last week and the icebreaker, and I can't take credit for it, was um, what is the one thing you can't live without? It can't be living. So it can't be a uh, you know, family member or pet. What's the one thing you can't live without? And you know, one person shared that she loved her washing machine and dryer and why. <laughs> and it was such a funny story about how she loves structure in her life. And some of the things that people shared were just so funny, but you did connect with people in a more personal I'm going to jot that one down. That's a good one. Wow. Yeah, that's a great one. It's, I, I'm definitely going to use it again. It's, it's a lot of fun. That is fun. Well, so, I, I, you know, I love that idea, and especially this idea of leadership journeys and sort of baking those into meetings. And one of the things you talked about within employee engagement that's so critical is workload and not people not feeling just so completely overwhelmed that they can't move forward. Mm-hmm. How, how do you balance that all with the to-do list? Yeah. I wish I had an answer for you on that one. That <laughs> is really, really tough one, other than continuing to reprioritize. And, you know, that sounds simple, but it's, but it's not. And I think, too, is, you know, you talked about this, the target audience here is, is managers. Mm-hmm. You set the tone. So when you're sending emails at midnight and you're sending them on the weekends, it unintentionally can send a message that that's the expectation. Um, So it's hard to do, but I think as managers should be thinking about how do they, how do they help set the right tone? I like how you talk about development, not necessarily being a promotion, but it's that experiences um, how can we get creative with with experiences? Do you have have you seen anything? Have, do you have any examples of people that have been really creative in how to provide experiences that lead to development? So I have this one organization that I work with. Um, there, they they really get development. They absolutely get it, and they have this concept they call limited duration teams, <clears throat> and they're almost like action learning teams. But they've got a problem or a challenge that they want someone to address. And they intentionally handpick people deeper in the organization, usually with an executive sponsor or two. And they're tasked with the time range varies. It can be three months. It can be six months. But they're they're handed a pretty significant challenge or problem to solve. Um, And they work for several months and they make a recommendation. It's a great form of development. And it gets back to what I was saying, which is weave it into the kind of ongoing business and day to day. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you mentioned Center for Creative Leadership already. I'm, I'm hearing kind of that 70-20-10 model in what you're saying as well, that that, that Center for Creative Leadership is famous for um, for making popular about how we only 10 percent of development is actually the formal. And then the 20 percent is is through other people. And then the 70 percent is on the job. So. I'm hearing that come through there as well. 
And you know, Marcy, back to the creative um, piece, we often think about what you can do internally as a way to develop, but I think there's stuff you can do outside of work that can be really helpful from a developmental perspective. Coaching a sports team, like coaching a kid's sports team, mm. for example, being a board member, those are all things that help you develop different skills and perspectives. That's right. Leading a volunteer event or, you know, any anything that requires yeah. that leadership aspect. Um, so as you are thinking about um, how you, what you would encourage a new time manager, somebody who's been newly promoted and is feeling overwhelmed because they have their, their manager that they have to, you know, account to. They've got this new team that they're now trying to lead. What, what piece of advice would you give them? Hmm. Yeah. It's, I think being mindful that it is a big shift and most people struggle with it. Right. Um, I think the sooner you can get crystal clear on what are your top priorities for you and your team, I'd say if you can get it down to five, um, you might have, you know, tactics underneath that, but what are like the, the big rocks or the five priorities for your team? I think the other thing is making that shift from I need to do the work to how can I get things done through others? That's a shift that can be really hard for people. Um, but thinking about, I'm not doing the work, but I'm getting work done through others, I think is also. Ooh, do you have any advice for that? Yes. What's that, Marcy? Do you have any advice for that? That's a hard shift. It is. And I think for people who have really high standards, it's especially hard because you have to let go of the work a little bit. And especially if doing the work got them to that promotion or to that leadership state. How do you how do you get work done through others that is maybe up to your standard or or I think it's some of the things we talked about, right? The empowerment, which is really like you kind of set what the priorities are and the expectations, but then you empower people, you remove the obstacles, you provide feedback along the way, but it's really empowering people. So Lorena, I I was uh, inspired by at the beginning of our conversation when you told about your journey and how you kind of followed your your passion or instincts and you you were able to take that leap. Um, and I'm I'm curious to hear you know like what what advice would you give to leaders and and maybe the leap isn't outside of their company or industry like yours was but like even within a company or you know like what what should what do you think would be kind of those touchstones that a that a person should be using to know is it right time to move to maybe look for something else or am I good or am I just resigning because everybody else is and move you know or, or is this actually you know a, a good thing for me like I'm just wondering if you have any kind of adv- tips on on knowing when when to go and when, and getting yeah. the courage to do so like you did. Yeah. I mean, I guess a good question would be, am I learning? I mean, I ask myself that all the time because that's what keeps me motivated is when I'm learning new skills. Yeah. Um, you know, the part of my story I didn't share was I was actually working with a coach when I was um, 
making the decision to, to transition. It was, that wasn't my objective of the coaching engagement, but I happened to be lucky enough to have a coach. And that coach really helped me think through my decision in a very objective mm. way. You know, I could talk to my husband about it, um, but he wasn't objective. Yeah. I could talk to friends and family, but they know me well. This coach just, he reported back to me what he heard me saying. And it was really interesting when I talked about, well, I'm at this crossroads and I'm looking at other corporate jobs and I'm looking at consulting. I really, my mind thought I was doing corporate. And he said, I want to tell you what I'm hearing. I hear different energy in your voice when you talk about mm. consulting. So having an objective coach or a partner um, to help you think through that is also really helpful. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a coach, you know, it can yeah. be a, a, a mentor that you have. You know, we talk about personal boards of directors Maybe you have a personal board of directors that you tap in to help you think through it. Um, but I would say don't go it alone. Yeah. Have someone help you think through it. I like that. Well, Lorena, you have given us a lot of really fun little nuggets. And I have been taking notes like crazy. Um, and I'm going to try and do a few things differently this upcoming week. Um, because of, of our conversation today. So I really appreciate that. Um, we always end our podcast with the same question. How do you leave people, you, Lorena, how do you try to leave people better than you find them? And as we talk about that idea of regenerative leadership, what do you do that we might be able to learn from? Well, I'm always learning too. Um, and so I try to get better at this all the time. I think one of the things I've learned is that it's less about imparting advice and wisdom, and it's more about asking really good questions. And that's something I learned in some of the coaching training I got that, you know, my job as a coach is to ask people really good questions that help them reflect and think about possibilities and what's next in a different way. And one of my to me, a big sign of success is when someone says to me, that is a great yeah. question. I love that. That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you uh, being willing to share some of your insight. It's been fun to, to get to know a little more about you and, and learn some of, this, uh, some of these great little things from you. So thank you so very much. We are grateful to Lorena for taking the time to share her insights with us today. To learn more from Lorena, you can contact HR Catalyst. I'll post their website in the show notes. Thank you for spending some time with us today and join us next time as we continue to explore the topic of regenerative leadership and how to leave people better than we found them. <laughs>